Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We watched some more Doctor Who. Yeah, so you you came upon the idea um, yesterday. No. Wasn't it? I came up with this a long time ago and mentioned it, and you said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, and then forgot about it. Most recently, you came up with an idea (laughs) yesterday Uh (laughs) about saying, hey, why don't we watch Doctor Who right when you, you being you, get home from work? And then we wouldn't like have to wait until a long weekend um, holidays Mm -hmm. to watch an episode or two of Doctor Who. Or what happens quite often is is thinking, oh, we'll watch some Doctor Who later in the evening, and then I'm exhausted because I worked a full day of work and get sleepy and have to go to bed early, and then don't feel like. See, the thing is, when I watch Doctor Who with you, I want to give it like my best. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch it when I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to watch it when I'm really tired. I want to be able to give it my attention, and I want to be able to enjoy it fully. So quite often, it gets to be later in the evening, and I am just pooped mm-hmm. so so yeah I, I i've always quite liked the idea of doing it earlier in the evening when i'm still fresh as a daisy well fresh as a half-wilted daisy yeah i mean this is a lazy podcast folks but it still takes time to watch and to talk about it yep. so it still takes an hour ish for each episode of doctor who yep and also you know it's a lazy podcast but it does require energy to pay attention and then speak yeah which is what we'll do now mm-hmm. about the web of fear Part one. Mm-hmm. Yes. The the one existing episode for years and years and years. The one teasing episode that everyone would watch in the Missing Years box set or on whatever VHS collection that came out on and think, oh, we can't watch the rest of it. It's su- It was such a tease to have the first episode be the one mm-hmm. to sort of set everybody's expectations and then dash them. Until, of course, October 9th, 2013, when everyone got to watch the whole story, minus episode three, which I'm sure will come back in the next two days for us to (laughs) watch it for this podcast. Well, actually, Murphy's Law says it'll probably come back like the day after we release our episode three podcast, whenever that is. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, So the Web of Fear, yes, uh, the, the story that... When it was rumored that it was there was some missing episodes coming back, it was this in the Enemy of the World, and this one was so uh, keenly anticipated that it f- formed the basis of the 2012 Doctor Who Christmas special mm-hmm. as a hint to things to come potentially. Because uh, I think I think Moffat had a had an inkling mm-hmm. when he was writing it because there's a definite like there's the Yeti, there's the Great Intelligence. Why would you put the great intelligence randomly into a story in 2012 yeah. unless you knew that there was going to be a big deal? I mean, well, I mean, if anybody was going to do it, it would be Stephen yeah. Moffat. Um, but uh, I feel like having an extra reason would make perfect sense. So I suspect that he he knew something was up. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's it's not just the but the very end. You know, he gets like a, uh, a lunch kit with an underground map on it. And he even says at the very end, hmm... Getty in the underground rings a bell. <laughs> I thought that was that was the moment actually when I first, when I heard that was mm-hmm. happening in the uh, in Chicago Tardis. Actually, mm-hmm. I heard the rumor. Yep. The rumors were flying around then in 2012, and I remember thinking, "Well, I don't believe this rumor 100, percent but we'll see." And then when I heard that that scene was going to happen, and then it did, mm-hmm. I thought, "There's something to yep. this." Yeah, the doctor also like points out the the tube map on the lunchbox and is saying something about the, the London Underground being I don't know a great achievement, but also a like 
strategic weakness or something like that. He basically sets sets this up. Yeah. So you know, if you're if you're talking about like timey wimey in story continuity, like that mm-hmm. adventure happens before this, and this adventure happens because the Doctor told the Great Intelligence that this is a good place to go. Yeah. Good time to go. And, and Stephen Moffat is great because he's basically, you know. Uh, laying ground for the viewers uh, who have never seen this uh, the web of fear before to basically sort of start talking about it now <laughs> so just like a member we can sort of relate it to that new episode that we saw well you can sort of relate things so I thought that was very very kind of him actually just help sort of help welcome new viewers in Richard E. Grant and Ian McKellen do not appear in this story. No those are two <laughs> iconic actors aren't they? Wow. Oh jeez shut up. I actually was I actually did I actually meant to say iconic actors <laughs> poor Richard E. Grant he, uh, he's a great actor yeah. but I had not heard of him before this therefore no I had not really yeah I didn't really yes really <laughs> yes I really hadn't I didn't know who he was oh. I hadn't heard of him he what what had he done that I would have heard of as somebody who lived in the United States well he was in with Nell and I which I had never heard of that that is not a film that made it to the states oh. in a, in in any like you know big splashy way. To be fair, I don't know what else he really did, mm-hmm. uh, apart from the fact that his appearance in Doctor Who and the mm-hmm. Curse of Fatal Death in '99 was big enough to think, oh wow, we got Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. and he didn't have a clue what Doctor Who was. Okay, so I guess technically I had seen Richard E. Grant because yeah. I had seen um, I had seen the Curse of the mm-hmm. Fatal Death, but I didn't know who he was. I think the only person I actually recognized in that was. Uh, Hugh Grant. <laughs> Not even Jim Broadbent. No. Oh. What would I? No. I thought no. You haven't you hadn't seen him in like um, he was in Black Adder a couple times. I don't think I had seen Black Adder at that point okay. either. Mm-mm. All right. Well, I'm I'm an American. Yeah. Sorry. Don't add us. <laughs> don't add us. We are not aware of Richard E. Grant's <laughs> pro, um, IMDb profile when he mm-hmm. first came up. But yes, no. steer it back on track. He was not in The Web of Fear. No. Um, no, he was not. No. But other people were, like Patrick Troughton and mm-hmm. the other crew. Um, so yeah, first episode, uh, it starts with the the uh, resolution of the cliffhanger mm-hmm. at the end of The Enemy of the World. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, it goes into right into a film sequence, which which if this was made today, that film sequence would have so been the pre credit sequence mm-hmm. with uh, with Julius um, hoarding his yeti as <laughs> Professor. Um, uh, Why can't I think of his name? I don't remember it, and we just watched it. Professor Julius something. No, that was Julius Silverstein. Was the guy who owned. Oh, oh. Travers. Professor Travers, sorry. I was thinking Waters because Waterfield. Because, mm-hmm. because what? Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was, um, <laughs> I warned you, Julius. I warned you. We laughed. I was waiting for that line. Uh, if you if you did not watch Doctor Who on Twitch, you might not know why we were so excited about it. But that was that was a line that figured prominently in the, like, the promo for the second Doctor, which was played twice between every single episode. And people just went nuts for it. And yep. I loved it. Yep. It yep. was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Wh- what did you think of this uh, this first episode of the story? Because you, unlike me and other people who own like this this one episode on VHS or on Blu-ray or on DVD, had never seen this a lot more than the rest of the story. So, mm-hmm. how did this um, feel for you? Yeah, the first time I saw it was when I watched all the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is only my second time seeing this, I believe. Yeah. 
it's delightful. I I don't remember enjoying it this much the first time I saw it. Maybe because I was a little bit just like getting fatigued because mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Doctor Who that day, right. and I'd already just watched six parts of like super whiz bang exciting Doctor Who, and um, then just going on to something else was maybe a little too much. Mm-hmm. Watching it with just you know a day of a break in between, I think was perfect because I sort of still had the the events of the previous episode on my mind so the you know it really picks up right where the the previous episode left off they was it was a cliffhanger or a tardis floor hanger and (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and they managed to uh to get out of that after an awful lot of like shouting right and (laughs) and pawing each other um and and yeah then then like boom you're in the middle of a mystery and i love the beginnings of stories where you just you don't know what's happening so you know they go out to try to figure out where they are and then they realize they're in the underground Ooh, that's exciting Mm -hmm. but the the point where i really really jump on board even though i know what's coming later but the really exciting bit is when they're like oh right it must be the middle of the night of course that's why the lights are off and they climb all those stairs i have climbed stairs like that um (laughs) and the underground yeah and they uh and they get out and they realize wait no it's the middle of the day Mm -hmm. that was the moment where i was just like sitting up like you know (laughs) like if i was a cat my ears would have perked and pointed Uh at the television so i was like oh something is off Mm -hmm. something is different what's happening i mean had i not known um, sort of like the rough time frame I w- might be wondering like are we way in the future like Dalek invasion of Earth or you know something like that mm-hmm. and then and then you get the, the dead body that's cover- covered in webs and the, the science says you know Londoners flee because of the menace expands or whatever it says right yeah so it's just it's exciting and then you know there are um, soldiers coming through and then Doctor and his friends are trying to be sneaky and I'm sorry I'm just recapping it but it was really exciting. <laughs> it was exciting and it, it's a rare thing in Doctor Who to have a direct sequel to a previous story because you know the Abominable Snowman happens earlier in the season when they're making that or maybe when they're writing it they says hey Mervyn Hazeman and Henry Lincoln can you do us up another uh, set of six episodes because we think it's really going to take off because this, this happens within like weeks you know, because what, it's been Abominable Snowman, and then we saw Ice Warriors, Enemy of the World, and now this. So yeah. it's pretty quick turnaround, and it dire- it's directly related to a Yeti from that story. And, of course, yep. Travers is the main link as well. Um, so, it, you know, with with that story still fresh in viewers' minds, mm-hmm. boom, they get a sequel to it. I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, just seeing... Um seeing Travers show up be like oh hey it's that it's that dude and then you know there's a Yeti right there and um I love that he has a daughter she's like my favorite thing about this and this I had forgotten that her amazing famous line happens in the very first episode that you know what's a, a girl like you doing in a in a job like this and she's just like when I was a little girl I thought I want like would like to be a scientist so I became a scientist. Yeah. I was just like, yes! Just the way she, you know, because he's trying to flirt. Yep. You know, he's like, puts his looks over his buddy. Hey, well, mm-hmm. check this out. You know, what's a girl like you? Yeah. I just, I became a scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just, just like, like that. that. Just, just like that. that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Travers. What a great feminist moment to Doctor. And it sort of comes out of nowhere, you know? Yep. And it is, and it's just, it's so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, she's still sort of kind of flirting back like her delivery is very it's very matter of fact and Mm -hmm. very like 
she's putting him in his place and being like, I am not the kind of person who is going to put up with that guff, mm-hmm. but I still think you're kind of cute. Like, that's what I got out of it. I I, I kind of got like, I'm flirting back with you, but I'm not really flirting back with you. I'm flirting back with you to put you in your place. Now let me get on with my work. Or if I find you cute, I'm going to find you cute on my own terms. Thank yeah. you very oh, much. Oh, yeah. That for sure. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's wonderful. Yeah. Um, other th- Oh, yes? Though Actually, oh. the one thing that I... Did, <laughs> sorry, I just remembered. We are punchier when it's early in the <laughs> evening. I'm noticing this. <laughs> Zing! Um, the uh, earlier scene with her father where she's very... It just... It, it kind of bothers me when people speak down to their elderly relatives, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, sometimes it's hard to avoid. I've, I've kind of I've been in that circumstance myself. And but it's it's always nice to still talk to them like they have all of their faculties, even if they don't, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if, if he was out of it enough and distracted enough by the fact that he's worried about his um <laughs> about the fact that he reactivated one of the control mm-hmm. uh, control mechanisms but um, had he been paying a little bit more attention I think he would have noticed that she was like talking down to him and babying him and would have been annoyed by that um, like you know even yeah it just it bothers me when I see people do that so that kind of got on my nerves a little bit um, that she's she is a scientist and she's very smart but just because you're really smart doesn't necessarily mean you're smarter than your father. I wonder if they maybe played with that part of her performance because that part was on film. And oftentimes in Doctor Who, they will go and, you know, they don't do a whole bunch of rehearsals for film stuff. They basically go, rehearse, record the scenes that they need, and which aren't a lot often. And then the next week they're in the studio they're doing their rehearsals and then the character gets a little more refined you know for the actual studio session so i'm wondering perhaps if because i think that's her only time on film is that perhaps they thought maybe we can make her a little more i don't know Mm -hmm. different maybe yeah but i mean it's i don't think it's um I don't think it's like mutually exclusive with the way that she acts Mm -hmm. later with the uh, with the army fellas with with night um just especially like since she just got back from America, I guess is where she was, mm-hmm. and she was waiting at the airport, and he didn't show up to pick her up. So I mean, she's got good reason to be kind of annoyed at him, but just sort of the uh, her mannerisms in speaking to him just rubbed me the wrong way. I suppose also, you know, we haven't seen the history, but you you get the impression that uh, he's doing this thing again, you going know. off about the Yeti. You know how you are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Well, he is a bit. I mean, great performance by um by Jack Watling, mm-hmm. who you know I, I always just assumed was that age, but he is actually much younger, mm-hmm. as we see in Abominable Snowman. Yep. So you put a little bit of a fake beard on him and stuff, but he's like he's very much this blustering old coot. I think he pulls it off quite nicely. Oh yes, yep, he definitely does it. And they've they've aged him up a bit, and you know we haven't established at this point how much longer it is. Uh, it's at least thirty years though, because Julius is saying that this Yeti has stood here for thirty years, and it's just fine. So I mean that's a that's a lot later. Um, I can't remember. I think it. I don't know when they've intended to have this uh, take place. I know the invasion later on takes place in takes place in 1975 mm. and I think this takes place 
four years ago. So this might be 1971. I'm really using air quotes because we're <laughs> yep. entering into unit dating here uh, because this is the first story. Mm -hmm. This is basically the test pilot mm -hmm. for 1970s Doctor Who mm -hmm. right here with Doctor Who um, sort of teaming up with a local military establishment and fighting off mm -hmm. alien invaders. It mm -hmm. starts here. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of alien invaders, I've, I had also forgotten about the TARDIS getting caught in the literal web <coughs> mm -hmm. in hanging in space. I completely forgot that that was the thing that happened. <laughs> and there was one moment where the doctor was like, you know, he makes this little joystick contraption and, and they're like, oh, what does it do? And he's like, well, nothing. And Jamie's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. But, you know, nothing yet. But it will once we start moving. And then the doctor's like, because, you know, it, something may have grabbed onto us, but eventually it has to let us go. I'm like, what the hell kind of logic is that? Why, why does something have to eventually let you go? And as you pointed out, Stephen, when, when I said that, he was right. But I still yeah. think that that's really flawed and poor logic. He should have been spending his time coming up with something to get them out of it, but whatever. It was guesswork. Mm -hmm. I do like the line when they land, uh, you know, they land on Earth and realize they're on Earth. And the doctor, as they walk off, goes, it's funny how we keep landing on your Earth, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Very meta line. Yes, doctor. Yes, it is. Yeah, because this has been like the fifth story in a row, I think. O P Q R. Yeah, it's fourth. Fourth, I think, or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah which is funny. Um, credit must be given to the sets by David Meyerkoff Jones mm -hmm. because the uh, the famous story is uh, the BBC requested uh, permission to shoot in uh, the London Underground for this and London Underground said no. So they built the sets anyway, mostly mm -hmm. in, in Ealing Film Studio and then uh, to a smaller extent in the actual studio. But the B, the London Underground when they saw I think the very first episode this episode mm -hmm. they mailed the uh, the BBC and says excuse me uh, we strictly said that you could mm -hmm. not shoot on the London Underground mm -hmm. and they said no it's our sets actually we did a good job and they did a good job and having been there now yes. we can confirm mm -hmm. <laughs> these two people from Canada who went there for the first <laughs> time in 2015 no 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 hear us out people from England who've <laughs> ridden this thing every every day of your lives. It looks very close to the real thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, it is very impressive. I mean, it doesn't even look like that anymore. No. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the... Parts of it do. Yeah, that's true. The, like, the shape of the tunnels definitely yeah. does. And, you know, there's tiles on the wall and stuff. But, yeah, it is it is impressive. I would not have assumed that that was a set. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, I didn't assume that that was a set the first time I saw it because I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bam! Mm -hmm. Helping to spoil the illusion since <laughs> 1978. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is an iconic story in Doctor Who history. There are so many people of a certain age who remember um, Yeti in the underground. Like that is just a thing, like, you know, giant maggots later on or, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So it's, um, it's, it's neat to sort of watch it again through our eyes, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 just really really fun i'm interested to see how my sort of energy level and interest level um continue along this because the first time watching it like i said it was i thought it was fine but mm -hmm. this time i'm really really enjoying it so it's different well we're watching it as um doctor who intended mm -hmm. one episode a day probably um, Mostly, I don't think that that was what was intended. Well, well, one episode <laughs> per viewing experience, okay. we'll say, not necessarily a day, but you know, 
I'm not. We're not I want to finish this in in less than six weeks, if you don't mind. Oh, me too. That's why. I, but I was just saying, like the intended, uh, the yeah. intentions of the creators were probably not to to do it once a day. Although, if they could have churned them out fast enough, I'm <laughs> sure they would have loved it. Maybe, but I'm sure they didn't intend for you to watch. Uh, this whole story at the end of watching a whole other six-part yeah. story as you did when it came out on iTunes. Nope, I did it wrong. I admit it. You didn't do it wrong. You did it differently. But now we're doing it right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. yeah, but we we might not just watch one episode per sitting. We might we might double up. We'll see. We we, we make no promises because we are lazy Doctor Who. We are lazy Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it for this episode? Everybody done with this? There won't be other any other episode tonight. I'll say that much right now. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You have places to go. I have books to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And food to prepare. Um, okay. Well, until the next one then, goodbye. Goodbye.